0: A beautiful day. I trust the Lord that you are well, you are alive, and you're enjoying this God Experiencing Christ. And I'm uh, Pastor Dennis back to take you to this wonderful continuation of our teaching series. Um, you see, we have chosen to take some time to take you in the details of the God that is dispensing Himself into man. This God has got His person. When to know the person of God. We will also know the person of Christ. We will also know the person of the Holy Spirit. And this is why these teachings are still going on and going on. We are not teaching you in the way of theology. We are teaching you in the way of experience. Whereby we want you to see the practicability of God. The practicability of this God. One thing we must remember. As we are going through this teaching series, is that our God is living, he is moving, He is acting, he is you see, he is enjoyable. Hallelujah! That's what we we spoke about previously in the previous episode, and um, I want to encourage you, a child of God, wherever you are listening from, that you should. Do. In case you are missing the previous episodes, you need to find them. Uh, you can check on our website www at freedomexperienceministry.org or you can download our application Freedom Experience app from Google Play Store. You will find out of teachings. So you will always uh, have to look for the category uh, called God is New Testament Plan. For you to come across these episodes that we are uh, going through. Uh, from the first one today, I believe it must be episode 22. And uh, because they are uh, short, uh, because they are short, we we will keep on adding, adding more. And they're in the uh, in thirty minutes. Uh, within thirty minutes, we have to speak and to reveal this God and to go in detail. Then we shall come to the whereby we shall talk about Christ. We shall talk about the Spirit because someone might be there saying, "Ah, doesn't doesn't this person know that there is Jesus now? There is the Spirit now." Don't worry, we are still together. I still have my time by the Lord's grace to take you in the depth of the word of God in a living way. Uh, this is Freedom Experience Ministry bringing you these wonderful teachings. I'm um, Pastor Dennis. Allow me to continue wherever we stopped the other time. I Remember, uh, in the previous episode, we talked about two things. that uh, uh, We talked about majorly the living God because the we talked about the invisible God in the previous, the only God, and even other up to fourteen aspects of this God and His Person. But previously we emphasized the living God, and uh, we discover that because God is living, even the church must be living, even the believers should be living, because we are standing before a living God. We have come unto a living God. The church is supposed to live in such an experience. So, we discover the book of Hebrews has got a lot on that, um, this living God, and uh, we also discover that we need to be delivered from dead conscience, and we need to come to a, a pure uh, and living conscience that is able to associate and a fellowship with such a living God. This time around, I want to continue with uh, another aspect of God being the God who dwells in immortality, the immortal one dwelling in unapproachable light. That one is found in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. We have this God, the immortal one, dwelling in unapproachable light. And this has been always troubling most of the believers because when we say that God is immortal, and he dwells in unapproachable light. It disturbs some of the superficial believers whereby they ask themselves questions. If God is dwelling in immortality and is dwelling in that unapproachable light, then how can we come to such a God? I want to tell you something happened that makes us to have the access to this immortal and unapproachable God. Who dwells in unapproachable light okay I will try to I will come to explain in detail let us first read First Timothy chapter 6 verses 16 and Paul says when he was talking to his son Timothy he says that okay let me start from verses uh verses because we need to pick from somewhere um uh, Let me begin with um, verse 13. I'll read through quickly. I charge you before God who makes all things alive. Glory to God for that. He makes all things alive. Paul was charging Timothy before the presence of God. Just imagine when your pastor says that I charge you before God who makes all things alive. Just know that you are not there too with your pastor. You are there with God also. So Paul is charging Timothy before and in the presence of God. He says that I charge you before God, who makes all things alive, and in the sight of Christ. In, in other words, Paul is telling Timothy that Jesus is here also. I'm charging you, who witnessed the good confession to point us by Pilate. <laughs> he says in verse fourteen that that you keep the commandment without spot and without blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He told him to keep word of God, to keep the commands of the New Testament. It was not telling him to keep the Ten Commandments. He told him to keep the new commandment that Jesus had spoken in the New Testament. Praise the name of Jesus. So, he says, keep it until the Lord appears. I charge you. Then it comes to verse 15 and says, for he in his own time will reveal who is the blessed and only Content it says that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Then we come to verse 16, talking about this King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who is potate? He says poteta. He calls it potent. I don't know how to, uh, to interpret this word, but let me just check for you another translation. Uh just go back to the King James to see the I was reading the modern one. But I want to read now. Uh, but also mentions only the otentit. I cannot. I cannot understand that word. Let me also check it from another um, translation. Okay, I think here it is softened. I'm um, I'm in the derby translation. It says that each in its own time, the blessed and only rule shall. Uh, Show the King of those that reign and Lord of those that exercise lordship. He says, "Who only has immortality, has immortality dwelling in the in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen, nor is able to see." He says, "To whom be honor and eternal uh, might." Amen. Now the word potent might be called here. It is called here. Um the king who exercise, exercises exercises uh, lordship and he uh, says the king who exercises lordship, praise the name of Jesus. The other word was difficult for me, praise the name of the Lord. So he says in other words maybe it means he's sovereign and uh, he's the king and the Lord of Lords. And, uh, this is uh, a living God okay we wanted verse 16 before we landed into trouble of that word but let me come back to the message today uh, we are seeing this God that is immortal God is also the immortal one dwelling in unapproachable light concerning this we have seen 1 Timothy six sixteen says that God alone has immortality dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen and some people outside there they use this scripture to say that no man has seen God so don't tell us that you, have, you see God no man sees him and lives they are still in the Old Testament because the scripture says that who no man has seen nor can see. Oh, you are telling us that you, are see, you see God but the Bible says no man can see God. So there is an argument of some unbelievers there because they have such a word that they are not able to interpret. He says no man can see to whom be honor and eternal might. Amen. But remember, Paul says that he saw this Christ and remember that Christ is the the express image of this invisible God, we together, He only Christ can see and like approach this God who dwells in unapproachable light. But when a believer is in Christ, is able to experience such light because Christ has become the small light that is drawing from that unapproachable light. But when we are in Christ, we are brought to this God, and we are able to be in that presence of the unapproachable light because Christ is light. He has decreased the, 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 the watts of this light. It is unapproachable. Praise the name of Jesus. And now he has come as light and he has brought us into him. So that means that if we are in Christ, we are able to, to, to access the, the unapproachable light of God within the light which is Christ. So Christ brings us closer. That means that without Christ, you cannot. That's what he told Moses. No one sees me and leaves. You go and just hide behind the, the rock and in the cleft of the rock, you will see my back. And this rock is Christ. So with Christ, we are able to see this God. We are able to understand this God. We are able to uh, come in this um. Light that is unapproachable with the Christ that we have believed. I believe we have access because when Christ is bringing us, He brings us to the Father. He says, "I am the way; no one can come to the Father." The way He has He has now created it. We are able to be brought to the Father. You cannot ask me what happens. But the scriptures are very clear on that. So for us, we have a deeper revelation on this that God. Though he dwells in his immortal and dwelling in unapproachable light, but with Christ we are able to come to such a father because he's not only our God, he has become a father. Every father would want fellowship with his children. So let no man discourage you that you can't see God. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, they will do what? They will see God. Okay, let me leave that. I hope you understand. Where I've left you, we are talking about this God, the Father who dwells in unapproachable light. Hallelujah. So we not only can approach Him in Christ, but we also can have fellowship with Him today. And I told you, we we only approach Him in what? In Christ. So we can approach the Father. Why? Because we are no longer in darkness. We are no longer in darkness, we are in light and light can fellowship with light however much the light is so strong, light will always fellowship with the light so he is in the light and we are now also in the light let me read for you first John chapter 1 verses 5 I shall also read verse 7 this God is in the light this God is light and we have fellowship with one another the Bible says in First John 1 5 this is the message he says. Hallelujah. He says that and this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. He says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay. Six says that if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Because God is light in him, there is no darkness and we don't practice that truth. Only oh, no, way we cannot walk in darkness is to practice the truth. But it comes to verse 7 it says that but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. The more we come to light, it shines much and shines more in our lives to reveal our faults. We repent of our faults blood washes us that may have fellowship with him as we are having fellowship with him he shines more unto us with his light then we recognize other weaknesses and faults we repent and the blood of Jesus washes us we come back to fellowship we come in the light so that is the cycle that is the cycle so you see that this immortal, immortal one who dwells in unapproachable light is being dispensed into us now he lives in man hallelujah for that so I want to stop there on that one I want to stop there that this unapproachable God who is immortal he now dwells into man he lives in you, he lives in me allow me to go on to uh, talk about this God being a consuming fire in his holiness and severity. severity praise the name of Jesus he is a consuming fire now when you come to such aspects of God his person is so wide. In plain words I told you we have up to 19 items and we are on item 16 that makes God plainly explained into the script, in the, within the scriptures of the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 says that our God is also consuming fire. is a consuming fire in his holiness and in his severity. God is holy. Holiness is his nature and whatever does not correspond to his holy nature, he as the consuming fire will consume. That's why when we come to him, he will consume every filthiness. There is this aspect of God being the consuming fire. You see, fire tries everything. Fire purifies gold cannot see the purity of gold until it passes through fire. So God has got this aspect of being fire that the more we draw to him, the more we come to him as light, he is also holy and because he is holy in his nature, he will consume. Because a consuming fire, holiness consumes everything that is not holy so that we are able to have, to correspond with him and to correspond with his holy nature he says be holy because I'm holy but we don't know how to become holy so in the process he consumes everything that is still like uh, there are particles of the fallen nature that are still within us and the Lord wants to raise, consume them he will make sure that takes us through things that consume so he is severe he, he expresses his holiness in severity and Paul had to tell the Hebrew believers that, uh, that they, because he was addressing the Hebrew believers, that they would, would turn aside away from Judaism. Because Judaism is unholy. It is commonly unholy in the sight of God. God does not expect them to keep on practicing things of the Old Testament that make them to be unholy in his sight so he told them we have come to a god is a consuming fire so this judaism had made them unholy although they are they were some of them were believers they had come across the gospel of jesus christ but they're mixing it with judaism and this holy god as the consuming fire would had to consume them had to consume everything that is still judaistic Praise the name Jesus. The same applies to us today. He will come to consume everything that is still holding us back. Everything that is still holding unto us. Yet he wants us to live within his presence. Because is holy. Hallelujah. So God is not only righteous. He is also holy. And to satisfy God's righteousness, we need to be justified. Through the redemption of Christ. That one Christ has done it. And we are made righteous. We are justified because Jesus Christ redeemed us, bought us with his blood. But to meet the demands of his holiness, we need to be sanctified. And in the the scriptures, there are things that do sanctify us. Number one, the word of God washes us. It sanctifies us. It purifies us. Number two, the spirit will carry on the sanctification, the consuming fire. You come through us and within us and uh, begin to sanctify us. So, to be made holy by the heavenly present and living Christ, we need this sanctification. We need the consuming of such a God. So, there are times whereby the, 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 the Christ in you, the spirit in you, the God in you becomes a consuming God. Hallelujah. So, I've told you that to be justified we need uh, be righteous we need to be justified to be counted righteous to be like redeemed of Christ then we are righteous we are justified but to be holy the demands of holiness will require sanctification we thank God that Christ has been made unto us when you read 1 Corinthians I believe 1.30 it says that Christ has been made unto us wisdom redemption sanctification and also justification. So he has been made unto us this to qualify us to come to such a holy God. We are also sanctified. Subjectively, we are being sanctified. Hallelujah. So there is a work that the Spirit is still carrying out within us, the believer, the work of sanctification. This work of sanctification is the only aspect that will cause us to live a holy life before and in the presence of this holy God. So every now and then we need the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God is doing two major works in salvation to save our soul life. He does transform us, removing the oldness out of us and dressing us with the newness of Christ. In number two, he sanctifies us because justification was received by Christ. We need to be sanctified. We need to be transformed. So in the process, there is also the consummation. God consumes all the impurities. Whenever we come into this light of life, He will always purify and sanctify us. So, we need to come to such a holy, heavenly, present, living Christ. You see Romans emphasizes the matter of justification. When you read Romans chapter 3 verse 24, uh, the major emphasis here was on uh, being made righteous. Romans chapter 3:24 says that uh, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Where verse remember verse 23 says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But now we are being justified, we've been made righteous, and after right uh, being justified, we come to what we call God's righteousness. So Romans chapter three goes on to say, one time you were once sinners and you fell short from God's glory, but you were justified by freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He continues to chapter verses twenty five and says whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness through the passing of the sins that had taken place before in the forbearance of God. When you come to verse 26 it says that for the display of his righteousness at this time for him to be just and forgiving the one being of the faith of Jesus. So we see that he has brought us to God's righteousness. And when you come to Hebrews, Hebrews emphasizes the matter of sanctification because we have now gone through justification. But the process of sanctification is still going on because it has got transformation, sanctification, and conformation. Those three processes are still going on within believers. And that's why Hebrews... Emphasizes the matter of sanctification. We read Hebrews chapter two, verses eleven. Or Paul still says that, For both he who sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. Or which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call himself brothers with us. Is the captain of our salvation. That's what verse 10 says that for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to perfect the captain of their salvation through sufferings then he continues to say for both Jesus who sanctifies and us the believers who are sanctified we are all one that's why he is not ashamed to call himself and to call us brothers so they the elder brother Jesus Christ is sanctifying us because we are brothers we must come to that level that stature whereby we, we live a holy life and this is what the spirit of God is still doing within the church within the believers Hebrews chapter 10 verses 10 Bible says also in ten ten, by this we by this will we, we it says by this it says by this will we are sanctified Through the offering They are talking about the testament here Being called the will By this will we are sanctified Through the offering Of the body of Jesus Christ As for all So in this new testament Whereby God came, Christ came to do the will Of the father because it says in verses 9 that then he said, lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first so that he may establish the second. Then verse 10 says that by this will, because he had come to do the will of God in the New Testament he does the will of God. He says, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That means that Jesus offered his body once so that we may be sanctified once for all. That is an objective sanctification. Let us also add on verse 14. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he has affected forever those who are sanctified. Come on. This is an amazing verse. It says for one offering. Jesus offered himself his body once and that one offering he perfected Forever. Does not mean that we are not going to fall into things that defile us. The statement is that he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Ah, have been perfected forever. When he died on the cross, he perfected us forever. Oh, pastor, I'm not perfect. I'm not like holy. I'm not what statement says. Oh, with one offering, he has perfected. Come on, he has perfected forever all that are sanctified. So You see that this is an objective sanctification that Christ has done on the cross by offering his body. And he says with one offering, he has perfected forever those that are sanctified. So how do we apply this sanctification in a living and subjective way? And the Holy Spirit will carry on the work of sanctification within us. Praise the name Jesus. Let us also read verses 29. Uh, of the same uh, verse The same chapter uh, We are in chapter 10 Hebrews chapter 10 verses 29 The Bible says that Of how much was punishment do you suppose Will he be thought worthy of punishment The one who has trampled the son of God And who has counted the blood of the covenant With which he was sanctified unholy thing, and was and has insulted the spirit of grace. You see, Paul spent the entire book of Hebrews warning the the Jude, these Judaism uh, Jews uh, with the Judaism uh, as their religion. He warned them and could take them back to what Christ has done for them. But in the statement of verse twenty nine, we see that sanctification has been already carried out in an objective way. We have also seen that the offering. Has been already done uh, once and for all. So when we insult God by saying no, this blood is not uh, did not it's not worthy. It's not counted the blood of the covenant. You begin to, to to like despise what Christ has done. You are insulting the Spirit of Grace. Sometimes when we say ah, we are not holy. Nobody is holy. Nobody is holy. Nobody is holy. It is as if you are. Insulting what God has done already. But one thing I want you to know is that there is objective and subjective truth. There's objective truth and subjective reality. So although the sanctification has been done objectively, the Spirit of God is applying the sanctification subjectively in our lives. Let me read some two verses before I finish. Hebrews 13, verses 12. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, verses 4 of verses 12. He says that therefore Jesus also so that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. See he went outside Jerusalem. He was crucified outside the gate of Jerusalem. So he suffered that he might sanctify. And we see that after sanctification we are brought to God's holiness. I was saying that justification is seen in Romans 3.24 and throughout 26 see also what is called God is righteousness then we come to the emphasis in Hebrews which is sanctification that brings us God is holiness so that Hebrews 12.14 says that um, Hebrews 12.14 now we are brought to that holiness of God whereby it says that follow peace with all And holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. So for us to see this living God, we have been brought unto holiness. And what brings us to holiness is sanctification. Jesus has begun the sanctification. The Spirit is still carrying out the subjective sanctification within us. I always tell that to the believers and to the saints at church. That there is an objective truth and a subjective reality. And you need to be knowing both Praise the name of Jesus. So, we see that for this, it was necessary for the Hebrew believers to separate themselves from unholy Judaism unto the holy God who has fully expressed himself in the Son under the New Testament. Praise the name of Jesus. In other words, even right now, God wants us to be delivered from the things defile us. Things that are defiling us to come to the holy God as consuming fire. I want to stop here. My time is up and I pray that the spirit of grace continue to help you with this wonderful truth as you listen and re-listen. God bless you. This is Pastor Dennis dome Experience Ministry.